what is the one habit you can work on that will change everything? It's the way you sleep. You're listening to episode 151 with Christine Lawler, why you need to be sleep trained. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to guide you toward living the life you want. Each week, you'll hear interviews and teachings on how to balance self-development with self-acceptance. Listen in and join our community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. Hey, hey, I'm so glad you are here. Uh, Did you catch the new theme for the month? Well, we're going to be talking all about changing our habits in March. You can listen back to the last episode to learn more about that, including how I challenged you to think not about all the habits that you want to change, but instead think about your priorities and which very select few habits align with the priorities that need the most focus in your life right now. I hope that's helpful for you. The progress plan of the month is a free printable ready for you at aboutprogress.com free. And just so you know, some good news is if you've already submitted your email address to receive printables in prior months, like January and February, you will automatically receive the free printables from every month there on out. So you don't need to keep putting in your email address. I hope that's helpful for you. I wanted to start the month with what I think is the most important habit we can work on, and that's the way we sleep. I asked a professional therapist and sleep expert, Christine, who goes by Chrissy, to Lawler, and she is here to teach how you as an adult need to be sleep trained and work on your own sleep habits and why. She really knows her stuff, folks. Before we get into that, two quick things. First, I announced the last episode that my tickets for the Rediscover You workshop are now available. It will be held on May 4th, it's a Saturday, at Thanksgiving Point from 8.30 to 4.30. This is an intensive workshop for moms who need to find themselves again in all things progress, strength, and motherhood. I have two new guest speakers, uh, Meg Miles from MomStrong Utah and Jamie Cook from Wander and Scout and a very fancy venue, really gourmet food coming your way. The tickets for our last Rediscover You sold out six weeks in advance. And this week we are only, only going to have a code for you and it's find me to get $30 off. Again, the code is find me, F-I-N-D-M-E in all caps. And you can register for your ticket and use that code uh, by going to aboutprogress.com slash rediscover you. And you can also see way more details there. Second, I'm going to tell you upfront that as soon as I got off recording this interview with Chrissy, I thought, you know what? We need to make this something people can actually apply in their lives. And I feel that way about all the episodes. And that's why we have switched to themes and having printables and plans and all those in place. But with sleep, especially, I knew there needed to be more in place so that you can leave this episode and make real changes. So Chrissy and I created something for you. It's a free five-day sleep makeover sleep makeover, and it comes right to your email inbox. You go to aboutprogress.com slash sleep makeover and sign up there. Again, it's 100% free. If you listen to this episode and you get great ideas, but need more help actually implementing change 
um, in your sleep habits, you need the sleep makeover in your life. Again, it's aboutprogress.com slash sleep makeover. All one word there. For five days, Chrissy gives you one doable way a day to shift your sleep habits. And then I share what it looks like in the real world and how I made it work for me because we did this well in advance. I adopted this the um, tips that she gave and um, I'm sharing my experience with that. And I know you're going to love it. I am obsessed with sleep, you guys, not because I'm a great sleeper, but because I am a terrible sleeper. Since I've been little, I have struggled shutting my brain down at night. But since becoming a mom, I have also become the lightest sleeper, and I wasn't before. And I also have regular patterns of serious insomnia. My sleep is all over the map. And I have made some big improvements before I talked to Chrissy, but I knew I needed more help, and I'm sure you did too. Someone pointed me to Chrissy on Instagram, and she's at The Peaceful Sleeper. And I also found a fellow lady obsessed with sleep. And Chrissy fell into this work in such a fascinating way. So I'm Christine Lawler. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist practicing here in Las Vegas. And then recently in the last, gosh, four years or so, I've really um, taken a deep dive into sleep as a specialty. So I help adults with chronic insomnia. And then I also do a lot of baby and toddler sleep to get them in good patterns. That's amazing. Well, how did you get into that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've been practicing therapy for 10 years, and I kind of started realizing that my therapy clients that were the most stuck, making the slowest progress, and having the most difficulty just in all aspects of their life were not sleeping well. And having suffered from insomnia occasionally myself, I felt like the best thing I could do was just validate them and be like, yeah, welcome to adulthood. None of us sleep, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I hated that. Like, I hated that as a therapist that, like, mm. there was this huge clinical issue that I wasn't equipped to deal with. And so then, I guess because I'm a perfectionist, then I just made it my mission to figure out everything that I could about sleep. And it's really cool because there's a whole kind of therapy completely devoted to improving sleep. So then I did all of those trainings and, and then like having babies of my own and realizing that my mental clarity and my well-being was totally dependent on how well I sleep. That's kind of what gave me the dive into working with babies and toddlers too. Oh, wow. My jaw was literally open at some point there because like there is <laughs> a whole therapy devoted to this and I didn't know that. Um, And it makes sense, though. It makes sense that people who have really struggled in your field, it's because sleep, the basic need we have is really lacking. And I, I mean, been there, done that, doing it now. It's a real struggle for me as um, someone who has often struggled with insomnia from a little girl liking to be up all hours of the night, um, all of those issues behind me. And I think as an adult, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. So how about you talk to the adults listening? Because this is all about adult sleep. Uh-huh. Why yeah. does mm-hmm. sleep yeah, totally. matter? Like, why do we need to sleep? Because we live in a society that tells us and praises people not sleeping. And just like, I think we bear- wear it as a badge of honor. Oh, I got only, oh, I'm so rested. I got five hours of sleep. <laughs> Because I normally get four, you know, so tell us why it matters and put us in our place here. Yes. 
Totally. And you're, you're so right that people wear their exhaustion as this badge of honor. And it's almost like we're in competition with each other. And as a helping professional, that's what makes me so excited about this. Cause I feel like, I feel like I just want to grab people sometimes and like shake them and say, (laughs) I can help you get better sleep and I can change your life. Like if you get better sleep, your life will be better. And it's because sleep is so fundamental for our well-being. If you think about our survival, like to survive and thrive as human beings, we need food, sleep, love, and safety. But like sleep is number two on that list. Like sleep is one of our most basic fundamental needs to survive and thrive. And I mean, you don't have to do a Google search very far to see how it impacts like our cardiovascular health, um, it impacts high blood pressure, stroke, kidney disease, diabetes, weight gain, mental and emotional health. And the coolest thing when I did this insomnia training, well, at least what I thought was the coolest, is that 80% of people with a mental health diagnosis have an underlying sleep issue. Like Mm. 80%, that is unbelievable. Well, actually, it's very believable. But if you think about like your own experiences when you haven't slept well, like you're just not operating at your best. Wow. I'm sure that's a huge factor to postpartum depression. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah, makes a lot totally of sense. Is. That was another, yeah, that was another big finding that they had in their research is that now they're starting to think that postpartum depression and anxiety have more to do with your instantaneous and drastic sleep deprivation than even just like the hormone surge. Cause obviously like if you've had babies, you know that the hormone surge is crazy, yeah. but it's the sleep deprivation that seems to be the bigger indicator. Okay. So this is kind of the chicken and the egg thing. So if you have anxiety mm-hmm. and depression, is it the lack of sleep that is causing that, especially if you're an insomniac or is it the anxiety and depression making it so you can't sleep at night? Cause that's the cycle I keep wondering about because I never sleep worse than when I'm pregnant and very worried, you know, about what's going on with my body and the baby and all those things at 3am. Yes. So actually, that's like kind of a big debate in the sleep community. I kind of skate in the middle of the road and say, you know what, it's both. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, people with anxiety or depression have a really hard time shutting their brains off at night to go to sleep or they wake up in the middle of the night and their minds start racing or if they get woken up too early, then they just can't fall back to sleep. So definitely anxiety and depression impact sleep deprivation and they impact insomnia. But I probably lean more to the side that says, if you're not sleeping well, you're way more prone to anxiety and depression. And so it's just this like, self-fulfilling cycle and it's really annoying but that's why I love what I do because I can kind of just like wave my magic wand with a couple of really good tips and tricks and get people's sleep cycle just like completely realigned so it's super exciting I feel like crying tears of joy (laughs) like this is this is what (laughs) I need and I know my listeners need this too um, yes. before we dive into those tips, I, I have to ask about a natural sleep cycle because when I have admitted, um, on Instagram, you know, that I really struggle going to bed early and therefore waking up early. People have said, well, is there such thing as intuitive sleeping? You know, we talk about intuitive eating and, you know, listening to your body. Mm-hmm. What, where does that what does that have to do with sleep? Like, is there a natural rhythm people get into? And is that something that can be disrupted and changed um, in a healthy way? 
Yeah, that is such a good question. I think to a degree, honoring what your natural preference is, is very important. Because say I like to be more of a night owl, maybe my preferred bedtime really, like in my perfect world, I think I would be an 11.30 p.m. to 8 a.m. sleeper. Like Mm -hmm. that would be so wonderful for me, except I have kids. Yeah. I don't ever get to sleep into 8 a.m. No. And which I know that's a common problem that insomniacs face is that one partner generally has a different sleep schedule and usually it's an earlier sleep schedule. Mm -hmm. So someone like me that really wants to go to bed at 11.30, instead I'm getting in bed at 10 so that my husband and I can go to bed at the same time. And that's what creates the problem. And we can kind of dive more into that in a second. But I guess the shorter answer to your question is, yes, like we do have natural sleep preferences that it's important for us to honor. But I wouldn't go so far as to say that we should be intuitive sleepers. Because a lot of our like, intuition or a lot of our like instinct that says I'm really tired, I want to take a nap or I'm really tired, I should just sleep in this morning that also gets us messed up too. Isn't sleep so complicated? I also read a book last month that was amazing. It's called The Sleep Intervention with Ariana Huffington. And it's loaded with information on why we struggle with sleep as adults so much. She goes into the history of how that developed and the difficulties people um, have and what can be done about it. So I do recommend that. Before we shift into talking about how to improve your sleep patterns and train your sleep just like you would a baby, you need to understand first how sleep problems develop. There are two main factors that I like to pay attention to. The first is our sleep opportunity which is how many hours I'm giving myself the opportunity to sleep versus my sleep ability, which is here and now, how many hours is my body capable of sleeping? So again, let's say like most of us think eight hours a night is this really magical number. And really eight hours is awesome. But if you have chronic insomnia, like eight hours is like this magical unicorn. You're like, I (laughs) haven't had eight hours of sleep in like ever. Mm-hmm. And so if I, okay, so I'll just use myself as an example. Like I said, I would love to sleep from 1130 to eight, or actually let's be a little more realistic and say like, what, 10 to seven would be super great, right? Mm-hmm. How rested would I feel if I got those nine hours of sleep? So I'm giving myself nine hours that I can sleep, which really doesn't feel that crazy. Like a 10 o'clock bedtime doesn't seem crazy early. A seven o'clock awake time doesn't seem crazy late. But the problem is I'm giving myself nine hours of opportunity to sleep. And maybe my body is only able right now to sleep for six and a half hours. That means I now have a two and a half hour gap of more opportunity than my body is able to do. And so I fill the time with broken sleep. So either it takes me an hour to fall asleep, or let's say I get woken up by one of my kids in the middle of the night, so I get them back to bed, and then I can't fall back asleep for an hour and a half, or I wake up too early and I can't fall back to sleep. So we take the opportunity, and if our ability doesn't match it, that's where things get wonky. 
But because maybe I got terrible sleep last night and I was awake from 4 to 5.30 a.m., then I'm so tired. So I think, gosh, I should go to bed even earlier tonight so that I can make up for it. So we try to compensate for our sleep loss by giving ourselves more opportunity, which just makes the problem worse. So oh. there are two main things. Yes, it's like it's so counterintuitive. So that's yes. why I say like we really don't want to be intuitive sleepers because that's what gives us the problem. And you can already hear the surprise in my voice. I'm like, what? I've been doing this all wrong. So now it's time to talk about actual tips, how to train your own sleep. And may I be a little honest here before you listen. When I first heard these tips, they did not make me excited. They were actually not what I wanted to hear, but they were what I needed to hear. So stay with us because you are going to learn why she is advising all this and it will make sense. So what do you do when you do not sleep well? So kind of rule number one for basic sleep problems is do not compensate. If you had a short night of sleep, stay on schedule the next day. There's a saying that I like to use a lot that says, if not tonight, then probably tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then most assuredly the night after that, which means if I have a terrible night of sleep tonight, I bet tomorrow I'm going to have a better night of sleep. And if I have a terrible night of sleep tonight and tomorrow, then I bet almost anything that I'll get good sleep after that. So we don't usually string together more than three awful nights of sleep in a row. And so if we can avoid compensating, then that is, that's like trick number one. That's great to know And then trick, trick number two, that's so important and it's so much easier said than done is do not lie in bed awake. So Mm -hmm. if you like, if I'm, and I think this happens all the time for so many people, like I'm downstairs in the kitchen and I'm cleaning up and I'm so tired or I'm watching a show and I just can't wait to go to bed. And then I walk into my room to wash my face and brush my teeth and just like, bing, I'm wide awake. That's and I me. have this feeling. Oh. Yes. And I have this feeling as I'm crawling into bed, ugh, it's going to take me forever to fall asleep. And so really what you do in that moment is you get your booty back out of bed and you do not come back to bed until you know that you're going to fall asleep quickly. Oh my goodness. What if that's not till like four in the morning? (laughs) Which is everybody's fear. Yes. But it's usually not that. Most of the time... Yeah. And that's why you think like, oh, I'll just rest. Like at least I'm resting. And I always say that rest is like sleep's junk food. Like Mm -hmm. it kind of fills you up a little bit. Like it feels better than not sleeping. But if your body gets used to junk sleep, then that's what it's going to start doing. It's going to think that the junk sleep is adequate and it's not. So we say Mm. like no resting, you are in bed sleeping or you are out of bed doing anything else. And usually in my experience, it's not often longer than an hour where you get back out of bed or say, you know, for some people it's the middle of the night awakenings and they're just lying in bed waiting until they fall back to sleep. But if you go into a different room, it doesn't matter what you do. You can be on your phone, you can watch a show, you can clean the kitchen, you can do anything And then don't return to bed until 
you feel that sleep pressure really hitting hard again. And that's where, again, you go back to that other saying of if not tonight, then tomorrow. You know, so maybe you maybe you only get four hours of sleep that night. But you know what? The next night, your sleep pressure is going to be stronger. So you'll probably sleep better. Okay. Oh, so this is this is good to know. And if you let's say you do take that hour or two and you get and you finally get to bed to fall asleep quickly, when your does your first rule apply here too? Don't compensate, meaning don't sleep later, like get up at your normal yep. time. Okay. Yep, exactly. Okay, yeah. so that's and where so we're, the struggle is, at, you know, with the discipline yeah. part. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and I will be the first to admit it, it is easier said than done. But I often compare what I do to like a personal trainer. We all understand intuitively that if we want to lose weight or, you know, lose fat, build muscle mass, it's a combination of diet and exercise, mm-hmm. which like, sure, yeah, diet and exercise, that's the key to losing weight. But it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like that, like there's a tremendous amount of discipline, but usually it doesn't take too long before that discipline starts to create a very powerful shift in your brain. And basically what you learn through this, like getting out of bed, if you're not sleeping is you learn to associate your bed as the place where you sleep instead of for most of us with insomnia, I think we can relate like the bed is the place where I lie awake at night. Yes. And so if we have that conditioning, then it doesn't help our sleep at all. Yeah. As I'm listening to you, I feel so happy that I'm learning, but I also feel a little bit of pressure just because I'm Uh realizing that I am a junk sleeper. I am totally Mm -hmm. this person. I, I feel a little worried about how my body and mind have been trained. Um, and a little worried about that because, you know, even a month ago, I tried to do that trick of, I got up at one with a babe, my baby. And I, you know, half hour later, I knew I wasn't going back to sleep. I got up and I didn't sleep the rest of the night. You know, I just, Mm -hmm. my brain was on and I'm like, I'm worried that's going to happen to me every time. And I'm also worried, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, there's a lot of fears there, which I'm sure Mm -hmm. you were used to. Um, yeah, the junk sleep. That's me. So I know, did you have a third step? Or did you want to comment on that before diving into to that? Um, yeah, we can just dive into that. Okay, let's do it. Tell me about the third the third way. And then we can dig into some questions I'm sure are going to um, come up for people. Yeah, so the last one is kind of, you know, falls in line with the other ones. But it's just don't try to sleep. Because the more that you try to sleep, then you get your wheels turning with, you know, thinking errors or what we would call like cognitive distortions or planting these negative thoughts that say, I'm trying to sleep and I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And like you said, where you're not sleeping and then the panic and that fear starts to set in of, oh my gosh, if I don't sleep, then X, Y, Z, terrible thing. So I know for myself, I immediately go to if I don't sleep well, I'm going to be a monster tomorrow yeah. and I'm going to be so short tempered with my kids and I'm going to be da, 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 da. And then my mom guilt starts going or mm-hmm. some people, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to fall asleep at my desk. I'm going to fall asleep in a meeting. I'm going to get fired from my job. We do all of this catastrophic thinking in the middle of the night when we're not sleeping. So that's why I really like that, that other phrase of like, if not tonight, then tomorrow so that we can just say like, you know what, I'm not going to get a great night of sleep tonight. And it's fine. 
It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because when we get those worry thoughts starting to roll, then we're trying to sleep and we're adding the pressure and we're doing the catastrophic thinking. Um, Another phrase that I use a lot for insomnia is it is a bad thing to be awake when reason sleeps, meaning Mm -hmm. like the logical reasoning part of our brain, even if we're awake, our logical, rational part is offline in the middle of the night, which is probably why that like panic and worry sets in more. So again, just going back to like, if not tonight, then tomorrow. After this, I must admit that I asked Chrissy to use me as an example and walk me all the way through what someone like me is supposed to do to change their sleep patterns. And it was so helpful, but I also think it would extend this episode for a long time. So I want it to be still something you can use as reference if you struggle like me. So I will be airing that small portion as a bonus episode on Friday for you all fellow night owls, insomniacs, and sleep sufferers like me. But for you regular sleep disturbance people, I wanted to share here what Chrissy says to do and how she so generously shared herself that this isn't always straightforward or easy, even for someone like her who is a sleep professional. I'm such a hypocrite sometimes because like even last night, for example, like My daughter's sick. She has an earache or an ear infection. So she woke up in the middle of the night. It was four o'clock and I come back to bed and four o'clock is like Achilles heel. If I, I came back there and in my mind, I'm justifying like, oh, but I'm watching a show. So I'm not trying to sleep. Like I'm, I'm still being awake right now, but I'm totally breaking the rules because I'm sitting in my bed while I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I think we just have to, we have to keep in mind what's, on the line and to say like my bad sleep has been plaguing me for X amount of years. Am I willing to do the hard work for two months to get a good, like 10, you know, to change the course of my next 10 years? Like when you look at it like that, it's like, well, obviously, but you just, you have to have the personal buy-in because this process makes a lot of sense in theory But in practice, it's just hard to get the willpower to do it. But if you do it, it works, which is so exciting. That is exciting. And yeah, I am at this point in the conversation feeling more hopeful about it because I'm I at first I was imagining, you know, two months of getting five and a half hours of sleep really strict. And so now I'm feeling Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is something that I can commit to because I know how it's affecting me and my family, my work and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm ready to commit to this. I have two questions for you that came up for me. Uh Kids waking up in the night, you talked about your daughter. What do you Mm -hmm. do about that, if anything? Or do sometimes people just need to wait till their kids are a little older, especially if they have, you know, some special needs or some, you know, an infant or just a phase of life, you know, where they're getting interrupted sleep? Can they even do this? Should they wait? Yes. Yes. So I think you can because um, another interesting tidbit from the research is that the biggest precipitating factor for women's insomnia is having kids because we hear all the time and it's really great advice for when you have a newborn of like sleep when the baby sleeps, because like you have so much sleep to catch up on, but really in the world of insomnia, they would say like, uh, don't because then you're going to get used to like really fragmented sleep for a really long time or like once the baby's sleeping longer stretches, then mama's not sleeping anymore when the baby sleeps Mm -hmm. because like, 
we get used to this fragmented sleep and then we're playing catch up and we're going to bed early because the kids are in bed early. So sure, I can go to bed at eight o'clock because I'm probably going to get woken up twice tonight anyway. But the problem is, like I said last night, you know, the baby wakes you up at 4 a.m. and you can't fall back to sleep until 5.30. That's still a problem. Like, yeah, if you didn't have a baby waking you up, then it would be easier to tackle sleeping straight through but we can still take care of the like falling back to sleep when you get a chance. That makes Jeez. sense. Now. Does that okay. make sense? Yes. So really like, I guess across the board, the time is now. The, ta- okay. the time is now to get better sleep. Oh, love it. Okay. And the next question I had for you is, is it okay to have a bedroom or a bed? Let me say this again. Is it okay to have a bedtime routine where you maybe are journaling in bed and reading a book before you are you know, trying to do your sleep window? So when you are doing this kind of a regimen in the beginning, I would say no. We don't want to do anything in bed except sleep and sex. Once everything has kind of solidified and you're falling asleep and you're staying asleep, then sure, like after those eight weeks, you're welcome to introduce reading in bed, journaling in bed, meditation, you can introduce some other things, but in the very beginning, depending on how drastic your, you know, insomnia is like if somebody has insomnia one or two nights a month, then you might not need to go to this extreme, you know, just some of the like, don't compensate for a bad night of sleep. Don't rest, get out of bed. If you're not sleeping, just those couple simple tweaks can really you know, refine somebody that has this occasional insomnia. But for the person with chronic insomnia, for the time being, get rid of any bedtime routine that happens in bed. Okay. Um. So can I, <laughs> this is like, well, what if I, could I, you know, yeah. still journal? That's part of my problem. My desk is right next to my bed too, you know? So okay. mm-hmm. could I journal or read a book? outside of my bed and then say, I'm starting to drift. I'm going to now go into my bedroom and lay down on my bed, go to sleep. Or should you just, yeah. Okay. That's okay. Yeah, you can. But I would say like, we call it nesting. Nesting. And not like the kind of nesting that you do when you're pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, but nesting for the bedroom. So like watching TV in bed, eating in bed, reading, doing work. Like, so I would say, yes, you can journal at your desk before you go to bed. But my bigger suggestion is get your desk out of your room. <laughs> like put it, put it somewhere else. I wish we I don't could. want, I know, I know. I totally understand. And I, I mean, I'll be honest right now while we're talking, I'm sitting on the guest room bed, like, because I, it's the bed is a comfortable spot to do yeah. a lot of things. Well, at least it's and not so your bed, really, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. But if my husband weren't upstairs, it probably would be my own bed. So let's be honest. <laughs> He's just upstairs getting ready for tomorrow. So Well, and I, I mean, think you're talking so, more about people like me who have like a really serious need that they they need to work on. You know, if, if you're in a better exactly. place with that, then you probably don't have to be so stringent. Maybe exactly. not. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I think in general, we want to get more things out of the bedroom just for okay. good sleep hygiene. But yeah. yeah, you're right. If your sleep issues aren't so severe. So kind of the general rule that we use is if it takes 30 or more minutes to fall asleep, 
If you're awake in the middle of the night for 30 or more minutes, three or more times a week. So it's like the 30, 30 and three for one to two months. That's kind of the criteria that we use to say, do we need to do this more intensive sleep restriction process or can we just tweak it with some other little changes? This has been so enlightening. And, you know, I wanted to know for you, Christine, why does sleep matter to you? How has having good sleep benefited you and how can you stick with it in a society that pressures you to be so productive and sleep very little as an adult? Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, the real answer is postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. I realized, I mean, I am a therapist. And so I, you know, I've been practicing for what, six years, five Mm -hmm. years before I had my first baby. And so naively, I thought like, I'm a therapist, I shouldn't be able to get depression because I know all of the tools. And I still got postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you learn more and you figure out more every time you have another baby. And I realized so clearly with my second baby that my postpartum depression was directly tied to my sleep loss. Mm -hmm. And then as like a mental health professional that, you know, I take really good care of my own mental health. I do my own therapy when I need to. I read a lot of books. Like I'm not to toot my own horn, but like I'm really good at being proactive in self-care. And I realized that getting good sleep is far and away the best self-care that I can ever do. So I'm better and better for my kids. I'm a better wife. I'm a better mother. I'm a more motivated person. I'm a better friend. I'm more conscientious. Like sleep truly for me is everything. If I sleep well, then I'm on top of the world. And if I string together some terrible nights, I'm just not me. Yeah. And so that's why, yeah, that's why sleep matters so much to me because sleep makes the difference in me being who I am or a shell of myself. Okay. So what do you think? How are you feeling about this? I know if you're like me, you're feeling equal parts like I need to do this and also like, oh, this is kind of scary and I don't really know how to go about it. Remember on Friday, I'll share more of Christine's uh, special talk with me about my own problems and hopefully that helps, but we've got our free five-day sleep makeover for you too and that's where we get real applicable, doable tips for you to change your sleep one a day. And then I share how I implemented it in a real life way. Um, Beyond that though, Christine has so much to offer for you. Yeah. So my company is called The Peaceful Sleeper. So my website is thepeacefulsleeper.com. And then on Instagram is where I have most of my Well, on Instagram is where I have all of my most valuable content other than my website. So on Instagram, it's at the.peaceful.sleeper. Wonderful. Yeah, so they can follow me on there. I post sleep tips daily. I talk about my own life and my own sleep and my kids' sleep and kind of just I troubleshoot as I go because that's real life. And then, yeah, like you said, I do lives twice a week where I do free question and answer for, you know, whatever questions pop up first. Oh, brilliant. Well, you are remarkable. I'm so grateful you were on the show. Thank you very much, Christine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants you needed to grow and progress in your life. Want to take your learning to a whole new level? There are three ways. The first is to print off this month's free printable to help track your progress on the theme at hand. You can find that on my website aboutprogress.com free. The second way is to join our free and private Facebook group called Work in Progress. I've linked to that in the show notes. There you can receive community, inspiration, and accountability. And lastly, you can share your voice and your words on this show, literally. Our last episode of each month will feature members of this growth-driven community. Here you will share ways that you have worked on your own progress related to the theme. You can share tips that you would like other listeners to know, or even funny stories to help them feel better. Don't be shy. You do have something of value to offer this community. You can find out how to contribute your voice or your words by going to my website aboutprogress.com, click on podcasts, and then click on be on the show. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember life is about progress, not perfection.